Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This, this is Fifth Avenue Face-Off. Welcome back in episode one of Fifth Avenue Face-Off. I am Chris Mack. We will be here with you a couple times every single week, talking pens, talking Pittsburgh hockey, and making sure you're up to date on what you need to know about the world of hockey, specifically your Pittsburgh Penguins as they gun for that uh, league, uh, league leading 17th consecutive playoff appearance. And right now they're right on the edge. We'll get into that in just a couple of minutes, but Eric Tangrady has been cool enough to join us and will join us a couple of times every week as his schedule allows. Tango, how are you doing? Welcome to the first episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Yeah, Chris. No, uh, thanks. I appreciate you having me on. I know uh, all that chemistry we had in the RMU uh, hockey game has, has brought <laughs> this connection where we feel like, you know, we want to take it off the ice. I know that, you know, we have big dreams to, to kind of rebuild our careers back and, and get to yes. the NHL someday. But, uh, you know, we'll take this for now. So, no, I'm great. I mean, no, I, I got to tell you, Pittsburgh has really become home for me. Um, I grew up a Philadelphia kid and everyone always asks me now that I'm retired, do I intend to go back? Like, no, I feel like I'm, I'm fully in and uh, into the community here. Uh, I took on the job as the head coach of Shadyside Academy. Uh, I work for Pine Sotheby's, a local real estate brokerage, trying to help serve people, finding houses in the area. So uh, I've really shifted from kind of a, I don't know, a, a, a keep to myself, uh, stay in my lane athlete to now trying to, you know, really reach out and branch out and serve and help people, our young athletes, uh, young families. So uh, I really do love this community and I appreciate you thinking of me to talk some hockey because uh, that's one thing I, I do enjoy doing is keeping hockey in my life. And I feel like um, have some knowledge to, to speak on it. So no, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I, I, we appreciate you doing it, man. And uh, it, it is, it, that's awesome that you're that ingrained in the community now, like you said, uh, work in the real estate game and also getting back into your, your roots, coaching hockey at Shady Side. Um, you know, that that's, Phenomenal. It's and it's you know for some to have someone who was able to experience a couple different organizations right around the NHL and not just the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think it's a good comparison probably for you to kind of put a frame of reference around some of the conversations that we'll have, which we'll get into in just a couple of minutes. I promise people we try and figure out what's going on with this team right now. But I I know you grew up you grew up in Southeast PA. You grew up in Philly, so Super Bowl right around the corner. I'm sure every single Sunday is spent with you, E-A-G-L-E-S. Uh, you're fired up for this, I imagine, aren't you? Yeah, and you know what? Like, you kind of take it for granted. I, I did grow up in the tough times of Philly sports, um, but then when I saw basically my dad cry when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 17, it kind of really hit me like, wow, this this organization, this city has really been deprived of, of championships for for many, many years. and. Uh, just seemed like growing up, the Flyers were cool. They were, you know, younger, tough in your face team. And um, Eagles were kind of bottom feeders. And I got to watch them as a kid finally beat the Cowboys for the first time, as it seemed like in forever. And um, I really, you know, stayed stayed on top of being a, you know, an Eagles, Sixers, Phillies fan. Um, 
I'm anti Flyers. Uh, I have a quick, quick story that you'll enjoy. But one oh, of my first few yeah. games, and one of my first few games in Philadelphia, I was lined up at a faceoff against Dan Carcillo, and uh, we're cross-checking back and forth. And Claude Giroux says, you know, hey kid, like stop trying to be a hero. You'll be in the minors tomorrow. And I kind of looked over and shook my head, and sure enough, I got sent down after the game. So <laughs> Claude was right. Claude oh. was right. But from that point forward, I said, nope, don't like this team. Nope, I'm out nope. on the Flyers. So I'm in on uh, everybody else in Philly, but everyone's like, are oh, you watching the Flyers? Like, nope, don't care. I'm not a Flyers fan. <laughs> wow, man. That's that's harsh from Giroux. I mean, it's it's yeah. uh, it falls a little short of being the riot that got started on Long Island on Valentine's <laughs> Day that one year, but – I can I can understand now why you'd have the Flyers up there, probably neck and neck with the Isles on the places I don't I, I don't reserve any love for. Correct, correct. But yeah, to answer your question, super jacked up for the Eagles. You know what? Pittsburgh fans are very they, they love Philadelphia. Come on on board, you know. Come on on board, and we'll we'll win a Super Bowl together. <laughs> That's so hard for us, Tango. You know that it's hard for oh, us no. to root for anything Philly. But maybe oh, maybe just for maybe just for your sake. All right, just for your sake. Uh, will maybe maybe not root as hard for the Chiefs. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let me ask you about this hockey team and where the Pens are at right now. Um, you know, it, it, they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth to, to the final Eastern Conference playoff spot right now. Fifty-seven points. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show. You know, they've technically lost more games than they've won. Twenty-four, sixteen, and nine. Um, and the last one in particular to the Sharks at home. Uh, in another game where they started slow, battled back, and then seemingly lost their grip on things late again, you know, it might not be fair to ask if guys like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang still have that fire, but they're the leaders that you would think would be holding people accountable. It's probably not fair to ask if a two-time Stanley Cup champion, Mike Sullivan, is still still knows how to push the right buttons, and it's probably not fair to ask where the heck Ron Hextall has been, because we do still have a month until the trade deadline, but where do you, you know, Brian Burke was asked about Mike Sullivan specifically and kind of, he said he was offended by the question, but when you look at all those levels, you look at the management level, the coaching level and the player level, where, where do you, where do you pinpoint the problems for this team right now? Yeah. You know what? It's kind of, it's a collective, I'd say it's collectively like everyone has a part and a piece of that. But when I look at like the schedule, you know, being a player at one point, like these are the dark days of the season, right? Like you have your leadership group, you have your Crosby, your Malkin, Latangs, like the guys that drive the bus. And, you know, these, this is just the time of the year where you need that spark from within in your bottom six. Like you need, you need a game where, um, to start off, you can start your third or fourth line and they're going to run somebody through the glass, through the window to create some energy, um, someone to score an early, or an early, an early goal in a game to like kind of boost the confidence. Um, you know, I, I don't like to always refer to the past, but like when the Penguins were the best version of themselves, like we talk about the HBK line, right? Mm -hmm. Like throw them out against the other team's top line. They can provide a spark, neutralize them and do things that you know, Crosby's not getting the other team's top defenseman for 22 straight minutes in a game. Like, you know, Gensel's not playing against a shutdown D in every matchup. Um, they just don't, to me, have that bottom sticks, you know, energy spark uh, line that they can throw out and confidently say, like, you know, we're going to not only neutralize another team's top six, but we're going to try to free up some of our high end guys. Um, so I just see that kind of right now being their biggest issue, like the new NHL in order to win. You, you need to have three to five entry-level players, entry-level contract players um, that can can really step in and, like, 
thread the needle of what type of team you are. Uh, so for me, I'm going to probably be um, a, a little bit against what everyone's talking about, but like this team kind of needs some sort of like internal rebuild. Like I would hate for them to trade a first round pick for somebody to come in that they think can change this lineup. And then here we are again without some, some top, top draft picks to kind of build for the future, because that's just kind of been the piece for me is I look at the Wilkesbury lineup, like who can step in and give them that spark. And I just haven't seen that or felt that yet. If you're one of the guys on those bottom two lines, and, and I think there's a, a really different dynamic in that you've got, you know, a guy who's obviously more experienced than Jeff Carter. Understandably, he's having like the most difficult season of his career, and it's a long storied career. But you've got a, an experienced guy like Jeff Carter all the way down to less experienced guys on the fourth line or guys who've been through a couple of the wars, but still are on the younger side, like a Teddy Bluger. If you're one of those guys on the bottom six, is is there a worry as the deadline starts to approach? Like, are, are you sitting there in the room talking to each other, or on the plane talking to each other, on the bus to the rink talking to each other about, hey, if we don't get it together soon, one of us or a couple of us might be on the way out because they're not dealing Sid or Gino or Latang or Jake or Rusty. We're the guys, you know, we're the guys that have to generate something or else we're going to get bounced. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of been the biggest problem. There hasn't been enough competition from within, right? Like when we look at training camp, um, was there those three or four guys that were looking like, oh man, like if this person doesn't perform, like this guy may get pushed out of the lineup. Like, I don't know if there was really that feeling. Like a lot of people felt Ty Smith had a really strong camp and he maybe was, you know, maybe the seventh defensive position was up for grabs, but there really wasn't like a, a committee of um, fourth and call it fifth line guys that you felt like you can interchange and one of them needed to just grab that role. So, um, you know, I'm not going to speak for Ron Hextall, but if I was the general manager in the situation, like I'm, I'm chipping away at pieces. If that means the waiver wire, if that means a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick to try to bring in a bottom six guy that can just push these guys a little bit to say like, Yes, you're you're an everyday NHLer, but if you guys don't bring it every single night, like you're out. Like I look back at my career and you know, obviously I had some struggle with some confidence issues. I was pegged to be a top six four, but it got to a point for me like I had to be a fourth line forward or I wasn't gonna play. And there were just continuous guys pushing through the minors. You know, you had the Bo Bennett's. Um, then you after that you had the Rust, the Gensels. Like they were keeping guys accountable and on notice that like if you didn't bring it every day, like next man up, we're not afraid to send anybody to the minors. And I just don't get that feeling right now. It's interesting you bring that idea up, the confidence issues of being projected as as a top six guy. You know, you, you come back as part of a huge trade, right? It, it's you and Kunitz for Whitney. And everybody talks about what you're supposed to be able to do. But then when, when you struggle, maybe at times, the guy I see as, as a clear sort of analogy for where they're at right now in that regard is, is a Kasperi Kapanen, right? Kasperi Kapanen, everybody presumes because of his pedigree, because of his dad, because of his draft position, hey, this guy should be a top six forward. They backed so far off of that now that it's, hey, you got to just stay healthy. You got to get on the ice. Once you get on the ice, you got to give us all you can in the minutes that you're going to get. And I'm just curious, how hard is it to take your mindset from, hey, I've always been a guy who's been counted on to be a top six forward, be a point producer, play a different kind of game maybe to, okay, now I've got to make the most of whatever it is, 14 minutes a night, or I've got to make the most of the couple of penalty kills that I might get. And I've got to be, you've got, you've got to adjust your game. 
Yeah, it's tough. It's difficult because not everybody was brought up like to be versatile in that situation, right? Like when I look at Kappen and like he's a he's he's 100% a confidence player, right? Like you saw that stretch of games where he scored a couple goals and everyone's like, here he comes, here he comes, like he's back, right? But in a bottom six role with, you know, all five on five play, like that's a player to me that needs to be on the power play to get confidence. But we're talking about the National Hockey League. This isn't the American Hockey League where okay, we're going to give you two, three games on the power play to get your points and get your confidence. Like this is a results oriented business. And if you can't bring it in that role, like no one's just going to put you in a spot. So um, for me, like he, he, he's a shooter. He, he's, he's a fast, he's a quick player. Like if I'm him, I'm just playing a chip and chase North South game. And no matter where I get the puck on the ice, I'm just throwing things to the net. Cause I know if one goes in, that's going to spark confidence from him. But I don't see him as a versatile guy that you can say, all right, go out and give us three to five hits, block some shots, be strong defensively, and then you'll move up the lineup. Like, I don't know if he's as versatile to be able to to do that. Like, you talk about, like, a Teddy Bluger, like, his foundation, his game is, like, I got to be 55 60% in the face-off circle. I got to kill penalties, get in shot lanes. And then you see flashes when guys get hurt, when he gets moved up to the top six, that he can play that role. But he knows every day in NHL, this is what I got to do. So there are certain guys that just – really like aren't capable because they haven't been put in that situation to be able to be that bottom six type guy and then adapt to get that confidence to get back into the top six. So we've talked about the personnel. Let's go back to the thing that kind of uh, led, uh, led the headlines in the last couple of days. And that's the coaching. I, for one, don't think that Mike Sullivan has run his course. I know it's a quick fix in a lot of NHL cities. Hey, uh, it, it seems like the boys aren't responding Let's shake things up and make a coaching move. The, the Penguins have no interest in moving on from Mike Sullivan, and they think he's coaching this team the right way. But can it happen, even with a two-time Stanley Cup champ with a veteran-laden locker room where some guys, for whatever reason, start to tune the head coach out? Yeah, it, it's hard to say because, I, I mean, I, I don't feel like a coaching change um, is really what this team is missing, right? I just think they're missing, like – a complete game out of everybody in their lineup. And that's just what it takes to be like a serious playoff team. Um, I look at like on paper, you know, the teams that are above them in the division, like I don't know if this team's built to win a championship like right now. So Mm -hmm. it could just be kind of a, a personnel thing. Like we talk about the top guys playing 25 minutes a night, like that's not sustainable for the rest of the season. That's not sustainable to win a playoff series. Like last year they deserve to beat the Rangers, but after that series, is any Penguins fan like sitting there confident in who they're going to play in round two being like, yeah, this team's built to go the distance. Um, so again, for me, I don't think it's a leadership thing. I think like Sullivan is arguably like the most well-prepared coach when it comes to tactical and how he manages his players. Uh, I just think they're, they're in a funk of the season. They're in that, that, that the dark days where it gets dark really early and you're just playing game after game after game. Like, when the media gets tough, when the game gets tough, like the first thing I looked at was their schedule and they're going to get a four game road trip out West. Like this is the type of turnaround where like, okay, we're getting out of the city. We're getting out of the pressures. Like let's just go on the road and play simple road hockey. And I could see them going on a little bit of a run here. I was going to say, if they don't seemingly, you know, they get out West, the weather's nicer, the sun's shining, right? You get out of Pittsburgh, like you said, for a, a week or so, if they don't start to find that turnaround during that West coast trip, that's upcoming, when, if you're Ron Hextall, when do you start to really step on the gas in talking to other teams? Because a lot of people, myself included, have said, hey, 
where's where's Hextall at? And, and oh, he's at a prospect development thing out in BC. What's what? Why is he back here watching this team trying to assess what's wrong in a in a six five six four loss to the Sharks or whatever it is in the final game of the first half? I mean, should he start to consider if let's say they don't get out of the gate strong after the All Star break? This is something Jim Rutherford loved to do, even to his detriment sometimes. And I think I'm thinking of the Carl Haglin trade in particular. But should he start thinking about making a trade almost just for trade's sake to shake up the room? Can that work? Or does that just create almost more of a tailspin effect where guys become less confident, the Kapanen effect maybe, and it 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 sends them off into a tailspin? Yeah, I, again, I think it's just too early, right? There's too many teams in the standings that think they have a chance right now. So, you know, maybe you're another fringe team in the, in the other conference that's on the border and you're like, no, we're not really interested in moving any assets yet. You know, you give it three, four weeks, the standings start to kind of play themselves out towards the trade deadline. Like, that's where I think the Penguins will be more aggressive. Like, right now is kind of the, you know, you saw the Bo Horvat trade, like some of the some of the blockbusters, like the, the, the deals that are, you know, People know we're going to move. Like I wouldn't be surprised if like a Timo Meyer moves sooner than later. But when we talk about depth trades for for draft picks, like I think there's still enough teams in the mix that think they're in the hunt that aren't actively being sellers right now. That uh, I think it's probably a little bit too hard on Hextall to think right now is is you know press on the gas and try to find us a trade. Even though I understand what you're saying, the psychological yeah. part of like. Let's just show this team like there's guys on notice. Like we got to get we got to get things going. But um, that's just my personal opinion. I think three four weeks the standings will solidify. You'll see who the real players are and who the sellers are, and that's when they can go out and look for one of those depth guys for for some you know not as, as significant assets. Former Penguin and Winnipeg Jet Eric Tangrady, now the head coach at Shady Side Academy, going to join us for a couple minutes, a few times a week, or a couple minute, a couple, a few minutes, a couple times a week, whatever. We'll figure it out as his schedule allows. Uh, thanks for giving us time, Tango. Before we, before you run, I, I do have to ask. I know at the end of your career, you wound up for a few months in how, how's it pronounced, Baris Nur Sultan, Kazakhstan. You play is yep. K, KHL, right? Um, so I just look the only frame of reference any dumb American like myself has for Kazakhstan is Borat. So <laughs> I, I have to know there has there have to be some Kazakhstan capers in Eric Tangrady's uh, mental bank of stories from your days as a professional hockey player. I know it was only three months over there. But it's got to just be wild, just a completely other world. Yeah, I mean, the word that comes to mind is wild. Like, it is truly the wild, wild west of hockey. Um, I think it's a great avenue for guys late in their career that, you know, for me, it was like if I wasn't going to get a chance in the NHL, I was just going to go try to make as much money as I could playing this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so over there, they offer an opportunity for, you know, high-level American League hockey players, sometimes average borderline minor league players, and they pay them a lot of money to do it. So that's why I went over there and – you know, from day one, when I got there, the, the mentality shifted from like basically this pursuit of how much they love me into like, now you're a part of our military system of how we want you to be programmed to play hockey. Like, um, you know, being a power forward, finishing checks, like, no, you're here to score. We don't care that you're six foot four and you're a power forward. Like all we care about is points of ass- and assists. If that means you need to cheat, like, go ahead. And my DNA just like was not built to play that type of hockey. So I really struggled, but um when we talk about like being programmed as like military, like I'll never forget, we had a flight from uh, from Kazakhstan, uh, Astana. It, it was the city Astana Nur Sultan, and um, 
we were flying to uh, Shenzhen, China. And this was about a week before, um, I guess, the, the the border into Hong Kong was infiltrated and Hong Kong got pretty, pretty much taken over. So, oh, wow. um, you know, first time to China, uh, it was a 23 hour flight. So we had to stop in Mongolia to get gas. Uh, Mongolia <laughs> airport is uh, exactly how all your friends talk about the Mongolia airport. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll never like forget. It's like the Philly we, uh, airport, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Actually, it probably moves a little bit better than Philly airport. That's for sure. Um, but no, we're, we're, in, we're in the air and then some guy comes down the hallway with uh, basically a mouthwash cup full of pills. And he's just like, hey, you take, relax kit, relax kit, you take. And I'm like relax kit like what, a, what what's a relax kit so i'm playing cards with a couple other north american guys a couple swedish guys and um one of the players is like uh these relax kits like don't mess with the relax kit so basically it's got like a muscle relaxer something to lower your blood pressure melatonin ambien like four prescription drugs and then like three way overdosed of like supplements that are going to help yeah. you sleep so we're playing or we're playing a game of cards and uh, it was one of the Swedish guys turn to make a call. He took the relax kit and he literally was just like, uh, I'm going to call and just passed out in the spot. He passed out oh for seven God. straight hours, passed out for seven straight hours in his seat. And I'm like, Nope, no relax kit for me. And no. it was just like every day it was like pills in your locker, vitamins you take, you take guys are like you, you feel incredible when you take this stuff. And I'm like, I am not going to, not going to no. succumb to this pawn uh, in their game of just like basically juicing myself up with who knows right. what to prepare to play uh, a hockey game and then the other one is i i totally tore my adductor off my um off my groin and um that gives you kind of a sick to your stomach feeling and i got diagnosed by the doctor there that i was homesick um so i was told that i was mentally weak and i was homesick and then i flew back home and they told me you completely tore your adductor off the bone so that's oh. kind of my uh my khl stories i made it four and a half months i had wife two kids that stayed at home and um happy that that one is in the uh the rear view mirror of my life and career yeah i'm i'm glad she lets you again i'm not an eagles fan but i'm glad at finally she's let you put the eagles flag up outside the house that's the <laughs> least she could do after you go and tear your adductor off the off the bone playing in Kazakhstan and taking relaxed <laughs> yeah. kits and juiced yeah. up Flintstone vitamins. Dear Lord, I'm glad you're still with us, Tango. You're lucky to be in one yeah. piece. Yeah, All right, absolutely. Man. Well, I'm going to let you run. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can get the Pirate Parrot to complete our charity game lineup next time, the three oh. of us. <laughs> I know you're oh, a big fan parrot. of the way the Parrot skates. <laughs> He's a good player, but man, he didn't lack a whole lot of vision. And I guess that's true to, uh, he was really in character for that day. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I'm going to let you run. I'll catch up with you again uh, next week. Uh, Eric Tangrady going to join us. Uh, really lucky to have you, man. We appreciate it here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Thanks, Chris. Looking forward to it. And then uh, awesome job taking on this new venture. I think a little uh, extra voice of some Penguins hockey will excite some people. So looking forward to see how this progresses. And hopefully we're sitting here looking like dummies when they're in the Stanley Cup finals and they're they're uh, playing uh, them against the world uh, against some of uh, some of the spots in the, the local media. <laughs> Would love for it to work out that way, Eric. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. it. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. Take care.